When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We are back, and this is episode one, two, six, starting a new side project. I'm Matt, that's Mike, and this week we'll be diving into how Mike starts a side project. Now, if this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon, leave a review or rating on your podcast app, join us in our Discord server, or share this with your friends. And now, Mike, starting a side project this week, and so he's going to tell you exactly how he does it. Just as a general note, and a little bit. Are you going to reveal the project? I was going to going to say it, and I was a little scared to say what it was. Yeah, I'll reveal. I think I'll reveal it, so you can say it. So there's going to be a big side project reveal. I'll, I won't steal your thunder, but there's going to be a big side project reveal, and Mike will be discussing the sort of general steps he takes to starting side projects. So Mike, please, sir, take it away. Yeah. Okay. So this week I decided to do kind of an off the cuff and very relevant episode to what I'm doing right now. Um, and that's kind of it, the starting initial stages of my new side project. And we, we had an episode recently about like side projects and side hustles. Um, this one's clearly going to be a side project with the goal of actually like helping people and the goal of there's going to be a goal, but the goal is not to like generate income or anything like that. It's to gain knowledge, help people, help our community and uh, contribute to the development community. Essentially, that's in my opinion, that kind of makes it a side project. Whereas if it was a side hustle, then I'd have the full intention of monetizing it in every which way possible. This is not to say that, again, this could never be monetized. Obviously, if something like this takes off, anything's on the table. Um, but I'm not anticipating that. I'm anticipating this being kind of like a small, useful tool, a good project for our portfolio at HTML Things with Digital Dynasty Design and uh, a lot of experience for myself and to kind of drive me to do new things and try new technologies. So with that, the idea that we're going to be doing is a weekly goals app. So Matt introduced our hat weekly goals a couple of weeks ago or a couple episodes ago. Weekly it's been, growth it, goals. Weekly growth goals. Exactly. So um, stay tuned for that on the Instagrams and the Twitters that we have. We, we talk about that a lot there. Uh, but essentially what I thought to do to be really super relevant is to create like a little web app that will allow the community to monitor their like our goals as well as create their own and uh, encourage each other and interact with each other and kind of hold each other accountable to the weekly growth goals. And it's going to be something super simple. Um, I'm not going to reveal everything quite yet right now because I'm still in the very early planning stages, which is again what this podcast is going to be about the early planning stages as well as like the start of your uh, side project not so much like you know the development and the creation and the testing that we'll talk about probably later when I get into those phases um, but yeah so it's just going to be very something very simple there's going to be some crud operations you know there's going to be a back end of some sort there's going to be a front end for this and maybe at some point we'll have like 
uh, a packaged application for the app store or something like that. So something fairly simple, something that I can complete in a matter of weeks rather than months, uh, something that, you know, people can follow along. It is going to be open source. I am going to be putting this on GitHub. So I don't have any links for that quite yet, but I will be posting a link for that. Um, but what I will have a link for, and hopefully if Matt, you can get it in there, is the uh, public Trello board that I'm creating for this. So Trello is a project management software. And it's something that I'm going to be talking about a little bit in this uh, episode as well, where it allows you to actually create your Kanban boards or to do boards public, so that the entire community can follow along as you're creating your project or something like that. So you'll be able the, the to term, see the term Kanban mm-hmm. sounds the, the 90s for some reason. I know I don't mean to interrupt. But that's they, every time someone says that I'm like, is that one of those like cork boards from the 90s in, in our schools? Like, I wonder where it came from. Maybe it is one of those cork boards or something like that. And that's why you're thinking that. But I, I have no idea where it came from. Um, I just use it at work a lot. So <laughs> that's why I said it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Trello is a good version of a Kanban board. I don't know, like, is there, an, is there another way to call them, Matt? I just call it my Trello board because I only use that service, but, like, it's definitely, like, a type of productivity management, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's a type of workflow productivity management, um, but, yeah, with that, with that being said, let's talk about, like, the, the breakdown of what goes into a side project, what goes into an idea and the first thing is like figuring out a concept or idea that you want to that you want to pursue and you want to create. Um, and here it's it's kind of simple for for us, especially for Matt and I. What we usually do is we come up with a few ideas on our own, usually something very very relatable, something that we either is one of our hobbies or something that is currently happening to us. Like you know, if we were doing something with trains and we're super excited about trains we'd probably create a trains application or if we were into fitness then maybe we'll create an application that can like time our sets or something like that it's it's something that's relevant to our current life Um, and that's why this you know weekly growth goal application is very relevant and then we talk it out so we you know throw some ideas at each other and uh, we try to poke holes in them with uh, like we try to poke holes to see like why would we need this why do we need to spend time on this and a lot of this uh in terms of a side project again this isn't something that's going to generate income in terms of a side project it's a little bit more casual um you're not trying to like you know rip the rip the idea apart saying that there's a million different competitors and why would you do that um you're kind of going at it from a different perspective you're going at it from the perspective of what are you going to learn what is this going to provide HTML of things. What is this going to provide digital dynasty design? What is this going to provide your, your, your motivation and stuff like that? Are you going to be able to accomplish it? That's another big thing, right? So this is a side project. You're not intending to make income, but you like, you know, you want to make sure that you're not going to overwhelm yourself with something that you're not going to be, you know, generating income with. So that's another very big portion of it. So when you're coming up with the requirements, when you're coming up with the idea for the project, you want to make sure it's something very manageable. It's something you can do fairly quickly. Um, my initial idea for this one was I, w- I wanted to do it in like a week. Uh, but having looked at it and having spent some time planning it, I think it's going to be more like a two-week process before I can have an MVP out there for people to play around with. I'm hoping to have something done in a week uh, where something is actually live, but it's not going to be something that's going to be customer-facing. It's going to be something for like you know basic testing and uh, building on top of Um but yeah, so that that's the idea. I want to do this in a couple of weeks. I don't want this to drag on for months for sure. Uh, I want this to be done at least 
at least MVP just enough for people to be able to test it out and let me know what I want to change. And then I'm going to change it on my own leisure time. So, you know, a few hours a week here, a few hours a day here and stuff like that. It's not going to be anything that I'm going to be putting like a ton of time into um, right off the bat. So that's kind of the approach that I'm taking with it. That's the approach that Matt and I, when we were talking about it, have agreed on. And that's the idea of the concept stage and the idea stage. So you you work out these like very general things to get an idea that you are passionate about. And that's a really big one to me for a side project. You got to be passionate about it because you're not going to make, you know, if you're really into gaming, you're probably not going to make an app about cars. Like it's not going to be very interesting for you, especially if you're not, you're not getting paid for it. You're not getting any knowledge out of it. You have to research every little thing because you don't know anything about cars. That's going to be a pain in the ass. So you don't want to make it. Challenge accepted. That's it. Matt's making a car app. I make I'm making the quintessential car app for all car guys. Actually, no. Down to like, to, hmm? it has to only be about Cavaliers. That would I mean okay. If anyone can make a car app about Cavaliers, it's definitely me. Yeah, it's definitely me. As they slowly be, disappear off the planet, yeah. horrible. That should be what the app is about. It should be like a really sad application. Oh. Uh, you know, like with like a, a wildlife, you know, animals becoming extinct. Oh, my kind God. Kind of web app where it like shows like only 10% or only 5% of Cavaliers are on the road today. Oh. <laughs> yeah, diminishing diminishing no. populations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ask for fundraising and stuff like that to keep the Cavaliers on the road. You know what's crazy, too? And like, I'm, and it's not like I live down in, say, like a warmer climate like California or wherever. But I think it. I think it is, and with well, with all my car guy knowledge, I should know this. Um, but um, jokes aside, I think it's like California or whatever, where people say that cars don't rust, is it, or something like that? Anywhere it's in like, the desert. Anywhere in the okay, so probably not California because of the salty air. Maybe yeah, yeah, I don't know. Salt, I'm, I'm making California's stuff up. California is not the greatest, but like Arizona, anywhere in the desert. Sure. So down in a like warmer climate, away from salty air, I guess. Don't quote me, please. Um, I wonder if, like, cars like mine are still around. The reason why I say that is because, like, I, we're in the harsh Canadian winter. And, like, today I had to, like, reef on my window, you know, within reason, not taking a hammer to it. But, like, I had to reef on my window with an ice scraper to get the ice off. And, like, you know, that's, you know, that that's needless, <laughs> that's needless pressure on, like, an 18, 19-year-old part at this point. You know what I'm trying to say? So, yep. I wonder what the car situation is down there. Like if you, if you're in like an area where cars are specifically seem to be preserved for whatever reason, I wonder if it's normal to be like, Oh yeah. Like I'm, you know, I'm driving this like 30 year old car and it's just like, it just doesn't, no one bats an eye. Whereas here, because the winter is so harsh, obviously it's sort of like, damn, like, you know, there's a lot of pay, like punishment goes into these things and like, it's still going. Yeah. I think most of it is just the rust. I think like the, what what the desert helps with is not so much like the wear and tear. It's more the rust than anything else because there's just less salt. Like we have salt in the winters to, uh, you know, stop the roads from freezing when there's freezing rain or snow. So that gets into the car and that definitely starts the rusting process. Like you can't, there's no way around it. So a car here 10 years is going to probably have a little rust no matter, no matter how good you keep it in and how much you, you know, drill oil into it. Um, is that a, gonna, is that a is that a that, that was that, that was a, a jab? slight jab that was that a slight a jab? jab at you but it's true like your your car even though you have oiled it like crazily like Matt Matt goes out of his way every year to this one oil guy and it's just like a barn and the guy has like a hose of oil and he gets it fully oiled top to bottom and then he, they also drill holes into it and put oil into his 
car so that it doesn't rust. And yeah, this it's is called, like a, uh, yeah, oil undercoating, yeah. Um, sure. And he has, he actually, I mean, s- plug for him, he has like a big shop now and he does a bunch of stuff so you can, uh, you know, give him a call. But, uh, but yeah, no, uh, he has basically preserved my car uh, to the best of its possible ability. And, and to, and to be fair, the only part that I've lost so far to rust um, is actually like the, the muffler hanger. That's the only part, like every other one has just like broken due to age or like, you know, rough roads, whatever, due to usage, wear tear. I, you know, that's it. Like, (laughs) so, I mean, like, sure, there's going to be rust on it. There's going to be some surface rust. going to be rust around the area. It's like, okay, here, here's an example. And like, this is now off topic, like crazy. The area where my gas tank is, is like a major rust point for my car. Like if you watch, if you see someone else that has never oiled their car, uh, and I, they have the same car as me, there's usually a hole there. Like, there's just no metal left because it's just rusted out. Mine is just, like, surface rust. Mine's, like, as if the car was five, six years old. Yeah. So, um, it works. Like, I mean, I ain't complaining. There's, that's why I do it. Yeah. So. Definitely. It definitely did work. So, yeah. So, you're maintaining the crap out of that car. Um, I don't remember how we got on this topic, but regardless, I think it was something to do with an idea for a car site. Oh, yeah. You said, you said yeah. like, you don't want to be a non-car expert making a car expert side project and then i said challenge accepted yes exactly so yeah the in the concept and idea stage for a side project you want to make sure that you're very interested in the side project that you're going to be designing you want to make it at least somewhat relevant to people um in some degree so if you're making a to-do list app for instance some people really like to make to-do list apps to start off a side project because it demonstrates a lot of really important skills to show potential employers uh, or different project, like different uh, freelancing companies and stuff like that. Like it's it's a very good project to do. But when you do it, in my opinion, you should do it with a twist that will help you or help someone around you or something like that. That maybe a different uh, to do list app doesn't have, right? So you want to do something a little bit unique so that you have uh, some motivation to get it out there and to show people and stuff like that. So if you do a to do list app, maybe you have like time to dos that will go away after a certain time time period or maybe have really cool design or maybe have interesting colors i don't know something a little bit different than your typical to-do list apps but for this one i think um the weekly growth growth goals obviously there's applications that have a bunch of like you can put goals out there uh and monitor goals this one i'm i'm designing purely for our community for the html things community to to be used i'm like it's not going to be a huge thing i'm not going to promote it um, but it's going to be for the community. It's going to be designed for so that we can hold each other accountable to our weekly growth goals. You're going to be able to, you know, comment on there on each other's growth goals. You're going to be able to encourage each other and stuff like that. That's the idea uh, for this application, which is, again, a little bit different than any other application out there, I would say, because most of the applications out there are designed to be very customizable, to be very, you know, fit any sort of scenario. Well, this one is designed specifically for our weekly growth goal idea. Sweet. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So with that, the concept and idea stage is kind of done. And now we can move on to a planning and requirements gathering stage. So this sounds a little bit formal for a side project, but it's something that I like to do regardless of the you know how big my project is or how informal it is. I, I want to make sure that I follow a few, a few simple pl- project planning steps. Um, one of them is to find out, find a good tech stack that will fit my project's goals. So this one was a little bit difficult for me and I'll go into like how I go through this process. Um, and one of the things that I was thinking is like, 
the balance between learning something new from the ground up, right, to the balance of doing something quickly. Because again, it's that idea of I don't want the side project to last for months, but I also don't want to do something that I'm super comfortable with because, you know, I want to learn something. Like I want to challenge myself. I want to I want to become a better developer. So if I were to just stick to like a really basic, you know, Vue.js app front end application with no back end or something, you know, something like that, then it wouldn't push me as much as if I were to do a little bit of a back end. So my goal right now is to find a back end that isn't going to make me code everything from scratch because again, it's that timeline issue. But I also want to learn a bunch of stuff and I want to be able to apply those skills to maybe a future website that I'm building. I want to be able to build a solid, quick backend that can handle, you know, CRUD operations and fairly quickly. So with that, I have found a new headless CMS. I've talked about headless CMSs on the podcast a lot, but a headless CMS essentially is something that generates you a REST API or some sort of API from some sort of admin panel that you that, that's created for you. And then you can plug it into whatever front end you want to use with the API that it generates. So for the headless CMS, I'm going to be using Strapi. And uh, that's a cool one. It, check it out if you have time. I'll try to link it in the show notes. But um, it's really interesting because it has it's a completely open source one. And it's something that you can host yourself. You don't have to worry about, you know, who owns the data, what 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 data is managed, what data isn't managed. Um, and it also has a very strong initial user interface. So when you go in there, you have, you know, your you can create different types like posts and, uh, you know, authors, all that stuff. You can create links between the different types and it's all done very simply. And you can create different kinds of links like many to many, one to one to item, item to item, stuff like that. And it just, it makes sense for this kind of project to have some a backend system that's a little bit more flexible, but also very simple to start up. So there will be a few things that I'll have to code myself. For instance, like that, um, the fact that it's going to be a, a weekly growth goal means that there's going to be a timeline. There's going to be a seven day timeline from when you start the goal to when you finish it. And that's something that I'm going to have to build in myself onto the backend. But it's something probably pretty simple enough for me to learn a little bit of the uh, the code structure of Strapi for me to be able to then apply those skills that I learned to a maybe another similar project or maybe a project down the, down the line for a client so that I can customize their backend to be more powerful and stuff like that. So that's the ideas that I want to kind of push when I'm deciding a tech stack for something like this. I want to make sure that I'm doing something that I do know. Um, but I also want to make sure that I'm pushing myself a little bit so that I can apply those skills in the future and show them off and use them when when necessary. And for the front end, I think I'm going to be using something like maybe just basic Vue.js because, again, this is something that I really do know, something that I've – I don't know if I've mastered it. I don't know if you can master any kind of technology at this point in, in a short amount of time that it's been out. But I have gotten pretty good at it. So it's something I can definitely whip up pretty quickly. So I'm going to be using Vue.js for the front for the front end. I'll use Tailwind for the UI infrastructure CSS uh, framework. And um, I'll, I might create – I might make it a PWA. Uh, I might Cordova it at some point. Which will make it into a uh, you know a packaged web application for iOS and Android stuff like that. That's those future tech stack stuff. I don't worry too much about because it's something I can plug in at any time as long as I'm picking the right initial technology, which Vue.js definitely gives me. My I'm still deciding between if I want to use Vue.js 3.0 or not. 
um, just because I'm, I'm really comfortable with two, but maybe this is a, a, like a good, you know, pushing factor for me to use three and uh, try to learn some of the new composition API and try to learn some of the new syntax. So I might do that to push myself a little bit because most of the most of the coding is going to be very like pretty much exactly the same. There's just going to be a few little differences with the new view. So I'm still deciding on that. Um, but other than that, yeah, that's that's kind of how I'm going to be picking my tech stack. That's what I've done. And that's the suggestion that I would have for other people. Just make sure that you're picking something that A, is going to push you a little bit, but also you're familiar with so you're not stuck, you know, learning something from scratch and, you know, being in a two-month, three-month, four-month cycle for, for a side project that's not going to generate you any income. Now, here's a question for you, Mike. So um, obviously you're talking about having like a mix there, right? Some challenge, some familiarity, but what about speed? So obviously familiarity will generally lead to speed, but what if it, what if there's sort of two options that you're familiar with, but one is faster than the other? If you could build a site on Webflow or build a site on WordPress and both of them have something that you want to learn, if you want to learn the new interactions or something like that, I guess they're not new now, but the, if you want to learn interactions on Webflow, but you also want to learn how to manage plugins or something on WordPress more efficiently, both site, both of them are, you know, something you are familiar with, but you could learn more on them. But Webflow, let's say in this particular case, would be faster. Which one do you go with for something like this, for like a side project like this? So that's a good question. And I think I would go back to the previous section where you're talking about the concept and idea stage and the goals of the project. And if one of the goals of the project is, for instance, like, hey, I want to learn, um, I want to learn design, like, I, or, or I want to learn, I want to learn enough about Webflow or WordPress to be able to use it for a, like a project for a company. And I want to be hired on or like get get projects based on the technology that I choose, right? Mm-hmm. If your if your goal is to get projects, then probably WordPress would be the one to go with, right? Because WordPress is way more used than Webflow at this point. Uh, it's a little bit easier to take over a project. Sometimes, like a lot a lot a lot of the WordPress projects out there are you taking over an older WordPress site? That's just that's cool. a really good point for WordPress, actually. Yeah, that's a huge point for WordPress. There's so much work out there in that in just in that. Not even creating new WordPress, just maintaining old WordPress sites. So in that case, if you're like, I need a job right now or I need clients right now, WordPress. But if not, if you're like, I just want to create something cool for myself and for people to use, I want to do it as quickly as possible. um, And I want to work more on the design aspect than the technology aspect, because that could be an easy goal. Like that could, that could be a goal. Then the Webflow would be a no brainer, right? Because you can do it way faster. You're more comfortable with Webflow in general than WordPress. Um, But again, it's, it's just that balancing of like, what's the goal? And that's, that's what it should always come back to in this decision, because this isn't about the money. This isn't about like, you know, and you're not talking about huge differences in time between Webflow and WordPress, usually, as long as you're, you're comfortable, at least somewhat comfortable in either or, um, then you're talking like a couple of weeks here or something like that. So yeah, yeah, you go back to the goal and decide based on, based on what you want this project to accomplish, not the money you're going to be making, but the actual knowledge, skills and future endeavors that make, might come from it. Now, what if you, so sort of a similar question, but what if you take the same thing and sort of split hairs, excuse me, split hairs. So let's say, for example, something like you go with the WordPress thing, 
you go you go you go to the WordPress project, whatever it is, and you decide, okay, I'm gonna go into the plugins and I wanna use something that will make my website have an RSS feed, whatever it is. So you find so obviously at this point you've split hairs to the point where you know, an employer in general isn't going to be like, hey, did you use this specific RSS plugin, right? Like you're kind of down to that nitty gritty. At that point, though, do you like wh- what is your what is your choice there? Do you try to because projects are so intricate these days and potentially have maintenance costs with licenses and stuff associated with them? Do you because it's a side project, do you try to go with all the free stuff? Do you try to go with the most efficient stuff, even if it is paid, whatever? Like if you're down to that nitty gritty how how do you do it is it is it always the expedient way the fast way like how do you decide on something where you have a bunch of solutions up front but none of them are sort of portfolio impacting at that point so that's a good question and that's a good point actually the whole uh having to pay for licenses because with webflow technically um even though it's a free side project and all that you still have to pay for at least the, at least the basic services. You might even have to pay for the CMS if you, if, you, if you need to do some more complex functionality. So now you're burning money on a side project that's not going to generate you any income. So that that definitely plays a role. Depending on what your income is currently, like if you're already an established developer and you're just trying to learn new skill, sorry, and you're getting, um, you know, you're getting a, already a good income with your regular business and you want to do something on the side to expand your knowledge skills, then, you know, paying 20 or 30 bucks a month for a side project isn't crazy. Like, that's fine. You're just you're just gaining skills in Webflow. That's great. And you're gaining design skills. Not a big deal. You're paying. And, that and there is a, a limited month. free tier, not to interrupt, but there is a limited free tier as well. But it okay. is rather limited. Fair enough. So there is a limited free tier. You can even do that for a little bit. So, yes, totally, totally doable. But if you're some if you're someone that's kind of frugal ish or you're just starting out and you don't have that 30 or 40 bucks a month and you don't you know, you can't fit into the free tier with your project, uh, then that definitely becomes a consideration to go with something like WordPress or something free, right? There's the, the point here is that there's plenty of free stuff out there that is very generous, even hosting, right? Like you can definitely create a side project um, that has a significant amount of users even without paying a single cent for anything, except maybe except for the domain, but even then it could be very cheap. Right, you can get you can get a very cheap domain for like five dollars a year, and that's it. And that would be your entire your entire cost. In fact, like that's definitely a. It's one of the things that I want to do this year, or maybe like I, I want one of the articles that I want to write, or one of the YouTube videos I want to make is like how to create a side project for zero dollars. You know what I mean? I think that will be a big. It's an important thing to, for people to to understand because it's totally not required for you to go out there and start spending money to create an idea anymore. Like there's just so many tools out there. There's so many generous free, tier, free tiers. There's so many free tools, open source tools that just don't require you to go in and have to pay. Now, there's a lot to be said about a good, you know, a good tool that costs, you know, $20, $30 a month that will save you a bunch of time. And Absolutely, like Webflow has a lot of has a lot of potential, has a lot of great features in there that make everything faster, and they they handle the hosting for you, which is great stuff like that. So there is a reason to pay that money, but if you're not at the point where you can afford twenty to thirty dollars a month on a side project, I'm telling you, there's plenty of great tools out there that can you can accomplish it for literally. I don't know if literally zero is correct, but I feel like I can probably find a free domain. <laughs> Well, see, and, and that's a good point, though, is what you're saying is is that, you know, 
eventually you may get to the payment payment stage. And I feel like people fall into the trap of they look up what they want to do. They look at all the services that are available and every single service this day is software is software as a service. So then every single service is per month, per year, whatever it is. It's not just a $100 or $20 or $30 and, and they're all the just one-offs. They're actually just repeatedly, you know, $20 a month, $10 a month, whatever it is. And so if you're a person that's say, you're doing this just to see if you like web development, you're doing this just for actual fun, just for your friends. If you're doing something like that, that's where, that's where the trouble comes in because, because like, or that's where the money sort of trouble comes in because you're going to look at it and say, Hey, you know, all these, you know, this influencer that I watch and not all influencers do this. That's why I'm just being ambiguous. It's like, Hey, X influencer that I watch, you know, says I really should be, you know, paying for the premium hosting. And like, I really can't afford that right now. Don't let that be the roadblock because, because you can take, you can take, you know, the free tools now and convert over to something later, even if it requires effort. Before the show, Mike and I were talking. And one of the things that I mentioned him was he, we were, we were debating, you know, is this project that he's going to make, is this project going to be, a mobile app as well? Is it a PWA? Is it just a website? What is it? And then I, I, I mentioned him and, and we ha- we both came to agreement is that, hey, you know, if we decide to do anything, doesn't matter what it is. If we make this thing in Webflow, WordPress, fully custom view, it doesn't matter what we decide. If it does well and we really want or the people really want a we- a, a mobile app, then it's not out of the realm for Mike to say, okay, we need to code this from scratch again in Kotlin or whatever. That's just off the top of my head on in Kotlin or in Java or in whatever to, in order to get it onto Android or whatever we decide to do with it because the motivation is there. And then of course you have to pay the developer fees to Apple and or Android or wherever you're distributing it. And that's where the cost comes in. But the point of the matter is, is that you can start at the beginning and if it's worthwhile, then upgrade. Yes, your site might be slow. Maybe you make your site and it's totally slow and it's your first site ever and the, and the hosting was free or the hosting was like stu- like stupidly cheap and your your project is just painfully slow. Well, if your project becomes that big of a pain in, in, in your in your ass effectively and you start having trouble and you like you're like, man, like I need to publish this blog post right now and this thing is just going too slow, you're probably at the point in which you you should upgrade. But if you're a person that's like, hey, you know, I'm new to blogging, I don't really know what I want to do, go to a free blogging service, try that out for a while, and are you really going to let, like, are you really going to let your question of, hmm, you know, should I go with WordPress installed, you know, where like you download it, put it on your own hosting, do whatever, or should I use, I think it's like just WordPress.com or whatever, where they host it. Are you really going to let questions like that stop you from writing all those blog posts because the time, the effort and the whatever is in the content in this particular case. In, in, in Mike's case, it's in, it's in trying to drive home this weekly growth goal thing. If this weekly growth goal thing detonates, like in terms of becomes viral for some reason, then of course it's going to take down the server that it's on and then we'll have to get a better server. So if it was, and it won't be, but if it was on a free server, at least as far as I know, it won't be on a free server, but if it was on a free server hosted and you guys love it and you, overrun it of course i'm going to upgrade it but it wasn't it it, that potential thought of it becoming a paid thing doesn't make us not make it the point is to start if it fails then it's then it's done if you're a blogger and you only want to blog once a month and you're blogging to 10 people then you don't need something special you just don't need it but if you're a person that you want to hit the ground running but you have no money 
Well, you can plan ahead. You can plan your you can plan your uh, sort of path. You can say, okay, I'm going to go with this blog platform. It allows me to export the posts. I'm going to start at the free tier. I'm going to climb the tiers. When I hit the top of the tiers, I'm going to get out of here, export, import into this. You can plan it and then just not – and if you don't hit it, you don't hit it. Don't let the money – if possible, stop you. If there's a free tool and you need to use the free tool, use the free tool. Yep. How we we Mike and I rarely rarely use Photoshop, if at all, really. You know, I just use GIMP or whatever it is, the acronym, and I just use that, the GNU Image Manipulation Program, I think it is, and the GNU, whatever it is. You you know what I'm trying to say. It's that it's that image it's the image processing thing instead of Photoshop because for the most part people ask me to like cut the background out or something, and it's totally it's totally workable. So I I, I didn't even upgrade. Mm-hmm. I had the path there in front of me. I was like, do I go to Photoshop or do I use this free one? I'll use this free one. See how it goes. I'm still using the free one because I've never hit the limits of it. I don't need to. Yep. I don't need to change anything. So don't let the don't let like people either like shame you into thinking like hey. You know, use the paid tool. Don't be, don't be cheap. You know, don't let people shame you. Don't be shamed. Like, don't bring shame upon yourself for using the free tool. And if you're literally just trying it, then do the, like the, do the thing that allows you just to try it. Do the free option, the cheap option, whatever it is. If you scale, you scale. You don't, you don't. Who cares? Yep. Exactly. That's the, that's the thing that I think a lot of people get caught up on is like, okay, well, if I make this, I'm going to be paying monthly and then I'm going to be you know, caught in this cycle of not being generating an income, paying monthly, and it's going to die. But no, you don't have to do that. There's plenty of ways around it. Um, that should not stop you. Matt's 100% right. Content is the king. Do Make your project. Try to create it as lean as possible. There's no shame in using free development servers. There's, you know, GitHub pages is out there. Netlify is out there. Heroku is out there. They're out there for this exact reason to get people to try out their projects because they know for a fact, and they see this in their revenue, that if your project does well, you're not going to mind paying $30 a month. If you're generating an income of hundreds of dollars a month, you don't care about that 30 that, that they're going to be taking if it does well. So that's the kind of mindset that you got to have. And uh, I am actually, Matt, I am going to try to use free hosting for this. So I'm going to be using uh, either GitHub Pages or Netlify, haven't decided yet for the front end. Okay. And then okay. Heroku, which is a free backend uh, like um, VPS server. Okay. For the for the backend, which has like a, a decent free tier. It has some uh, limitations in the sense that it'll like power, not power down, but hibernate after a certain amount of time so that when you hit it again, that first hit for whatever person that hits it will be like an extra one or two seconds. But again, it's a, for for this project, the initial start of this project, that's not a big deal. If no one, no one's going to walk away due to an extra second. And if they no. do, I'm sorry, but like I just don't care about that person. Exactly. Like we're not we're not making this for the general public. We don't care about the people that walk away in the first 2 seconds. I'm definitely going to have like a loading, you know, indicator on there or like a, you know, a, some indicator on there. It's not just going to be a white page. It's going to be something. So it's not going to be an issue. Um Regardless, if it takes off, like Matt's saying, I have no problem paying for the Heroku storage or digital or converting it to DigitalOcean or going to AWS or going to Azure. I don't care. If it takes off, I will take the, 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 the necessary steps to make sure that it can scale. But I know for a fact that even on Heroku, I'm going to have more than enough uh, 
performance to be able to handle the tasks at hand. The front end is going to be a little bit of a different story, but even then, GitHub Pages, Netlify, they have generous free tiers and good and decent scaling options, you know, 20 bucks a month for their hosting. Yes, it's a little bit steeper than regular static hosting servers, but on the other hand, they handle a bunch of stuff for you. And if I'm spending that $20 a month and generating 200, I don't really care or during a thousand doesn't really matter to me. <laughs> like I'm not going to be a penny pincher for a side project. This is another thing where the side project come in hand. If you're building an application for a client they're paying you hundreds of thousands of dollars or thousands of dollars, whatever. And they know that it's going to have like, you know, thousands of users or a million users right off the bat. You're probably not going to put it on free hosting to begin with. Let's just be serious. You're going to put it on the right scalable platform. You're going to do the research. You're going to do all the testing. You're going to pay the money for the right hosting. You're going to pay the money for the right tools because you're making a project for an enterprise level entity that's going to be expecting that kind of performance. A side project is not that. You don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. And and that's a really good point too. Is your your starting point does change? Like you will become if you become like monetarily successful, you will your your starting point in general will change. Mike and I used to always shy away from any paid tool. Now our hosting at the very baseline is better than our best hosting in the past. Even for someone who has a tiny website that's going to get 10 views, we still put them on the higher tiered stuff because our bar has moved just due to the fact that we found some success over the years. That's the entire point. And we also buy tools. We try things out. We try Canva. We try audiogram programs. We try all kinds of different things. Whereas before it was always like, does it have a free tier? No, we're out. So our starting point has 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 changed. Yeah, we're still being wise with our money. Yeah, we're not going crazy. Yeah, we're managing it and whatever else we need to do. But the point of the matter is we, we due to the fact of finding financial success to some degree, we're not billionaires, we're not millionaires, nothing like that. But because we, because we basically built up our business to a point, now we're at a point where we can say, hey, you know what? Let's just try this. It's 30 a month. Let's try it. It isn't going to sink us. If I hate it, I'll leave tomorrow. I don't care. I'll just cancel the subscription. And I've done that with some services. Try them out. Like, try the free tier out, the demo demo tier, whatever it is. Then pay for it. Get in there for maybe a day. And you're like, man, like, I don't know. Like, the premium was sold at such a higher caliber. Like, this kind of feels like free plus. I'm kind of out of here. And then that's it. You're out. And now what did that cost you? $20. Stop spending time worrying about $20, $30 if you can help it. But if you can't help it, then don't. there's no shame in just being like, okay, I'm just going to use a free tool. Yep. Use what you need and use what you can, basically. Yep, it's a good point. Um, but yeah, so with, with that, like you figure out the tech stack, you figure out what you have to pay for, what you don't have to pay for. That's all, that's all fine and dandy. The next thing is, is I kind of like to lay out a Kanban board. That's, that's the Trello thing that I was talking about before the Trello application. Um, I'm going to have a link to our Trello board so you can take a look at how I lay it out in the show notes. Uh, but in just in general, what I like to do is I like to have like one, two, three, four, five, six columns. I'm just looking at it right now, just to give some context. Um, and in those six columns, the first column would be backlog. The backlog is where you put all of your, you know, all of your tasks that you're going to have for the application, whatever you can think of. So set up production deployment, create a landing page, create login and registration, you know, uh, create the weekly goals page, any task like a to do task that you're going to have, you put into the backlog. And then you go in and figure out what you want to actually do. Like what's your to do list 
currently right now at this moment and you drag a couple of those tasks in the to-do and then you figure out from this to-do list what am I going to start with and you drag that into in progress so now you have your backlog which should have like a significant amount of tasks in it that you you can always go back to and do um, you have your to-do list, which is the, the stuff that you're going to be doing very shortly. And that's usually related together, like something, you know, start development environment, choose a tech stack, stuff like that. And then you have whatever's in progress. Once it's done from in progress, it's going to go into another column called developed, right? That means that you've completed a feature and what it needs to be tested and integrated and stuff like that and deployed. So then you from developed, it goes into tested. So you now you're testing or tested a feature. And if once it has been tested, it can go into a release once you actually do all the push and commits and all that. You can put it as released. In released, it's in the done column essentially. So you shouldn't have to worry about it. You should never have to kind of pull it out from release or you should never have to worry about it again. That means like if you've created the UI UX design, it's done. If you need to do any sort of iterations on it, that's a separate backlog task, like iterate on UI UX or something like that. So that's kind of how I handle it. Inside of each task with uh, Trello, you can actually create uh, separate checklists, which will give you like separate kind of to-do lists for each task. I like to do this for the more complex things. Like, for instance, I said login registration. There's a lot that goes into login registration. Like you have to create the UI. You have to create the backend, uh, the backend APIs to be able to register, log in, and stuff like that. You have to create the front-end tie-in, all, all the code that goes into actually calling the backend APIs, get the response. So you can create a checklist for yourself inside of your task to kind of make sure that you go through and do all the little things that need to be done. And I spend a little bit of time on this. I don't go crazy with um, with to-do to do applications or project management, but I will spend a few hours, maybe a day, you know, like a, a day of a side project, creating the initial set of tasks that I need to perform, making sure that they're described enough for my, myself to understand. I don't go crazy in the descriptions either, especially when it's only me working on it. Um, when it's a team, it's a little bit different and that's a completely different discussion. You have to kind of, you have to really think about it. You have to spend way more time on the documentation side of things, stuff like that. But regardless on a side project, I try to spend as minimum time as I possibly can in here for me to actually accomplish the actual tasks at hand, but for me to actually be able to use the software for my advantage rather than disadvantage. So with that, uh, is figuring out timelines. So now that you have a bunch of tasks right? You have like a bunch of tasks at hand. Um, and in your to do list, you can kind of go in and be like, okay, well, how long is each task going to take? Or how long are these bulk tasks going to take? How long is this project going to take me? Or how long is the first iteration, the MVP going to take me? And you've already kind of thought about a general time frame. So before I was mentioning that uh, Matt and I had a discussion, I was like, I want to do it in a week, I want to have an MVP in a week. So my general timeline was a week. So even when I was creating the tasks and the requirements before that, um, I was actually thinking about that timeline. And I was like, is this possible? Is this possible? And eventually I got to the point where I was like, okay, there's a little bit too much here, I'm going to extend it to another week. So it's going to be a two week project. Um, I am not doing this full time. It is like a uh, something that I'm going to be doing in the at the end of each day for a couple hours, and then I'm going to actually do like a bulk development session on Saturday. I'll probably be posting some uh, some Instagram stuff and while while I'm doing it. But that's the idea. Like I, I'm not going to spend my whole day on it, so I know that's going to take me a little while. So that's why I've extended it to two weeks. But I'm not going crazy away from my like one week goal, right? I'm not saying okay, you know what? I'm going to expand this to three months 
Like that would be a crazy deviation, but you got to make sure that you're realistic with yourself and you're not putting yourself into too much stress. Um, but yeah, now that you have your tasks, you can kind of get that general timeline and uh, put some put some dates on the board and talk to, you know, for me, it'll talk to Matt and tell him, hey, I'm going to do this project in two weeks. I'm going to try my best to get it out there. Uh, and that will have you give you a little bit of accountability now that you've mentioned it. I've mentioned it to the entire audience of HTML of things. So now it's a little bit more accountability for myself obviously. Um, but regardless, that's kind of the part of the planning stage that's important. So yeah, um, with with that, other than the fact that, you know, making sure that you have the right requirements for the application, and that's really important. What you have to do is you have to make sure that uh, every feature that you want built in there is labeled inside of like a list. Like, so I just initially opened up a, a notebook and started writing like, I want users to be able to log in. I want users to be able to register with uh, their own email. Hang or, on a minute here, like a OneNote yeah. notebook or like a real notebook? An actual notebook. I actually found like an old physics notebook that I never used. What? That's actually, yeah, that's actually really good because it has like a graph line paper on one side and like regular line paper on the, on the other meant to like actually draw charts. But for like designing the UI and UX side of things, initially, I just used the graph side and then just doing the lists, I used the line side. I... I don't know. Like for for me, I I like the online tools, but for some reason, when I'm in the very early stages, I'm a, I I like to just do a really quick sketch, or I like to do just a really quick list, uh, because it's just I don't know. It's not that it's faster. Obviously, it's not faster. I can type a lot faster than I can write, but it feels a little bit more real. I don't know if that makes sense when it's on paper. I mean, I I'm definitely one to do everything digitally. Because in my in my experience, it's something that I'll churn through, if that makes sense. So it's something where I will write it down, do this project, whether I do the project or not do the project, that those notes become irrelevant. So I prefer to type it out because then it's just like a file deletion away rather than me having to like throw out like paper. Which I mean sounds might sound ridiculous, but I also can just type faster like you're saying, so... Yeah, I can, a I can definitely type faster and I can understand that. And I, I only do the initial very early stages, like again, very early mock-ups. I'll like scratch a couple out and stuff like that. Like I'll do very simple things. I think for mock-ups for me, uh, for sure on paper is faster than on Figma, which is what I use. Um, and I like like converting it from paper to Figma is a lot easier. I have been doing, I, I, I will say that in the past, I have quickly jotted down like say a wireframe. Exactly. But I rarely write out anything. Like short of short of it being like a quick sketch, normally I do everything on on digital. Or at least I guess what I'm saying is I try to keep everything digital if I can. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's like it, this is a preference thing 100%. But for me, again, initial stages on paper and then I convert essentially what I write to the uh, to some sort of like OneDrive document or something like that. Or again, Figma for my layouts and stuff. So that was... That was kind of like the planning and requirements gathering, the concept and idea stage. And the last thing that I'm going to talk about for this specific starting a new side project is the dev environment setup. So this is the stage that I'm currently on right now, technically, um, because I've kind of chosen my chosen my tech stack. I have my, my UI, UX initial layouts at least done. Uh, and I have my timeline done. I have my to-do list done. All that's kind of ready to go for me to start actually coding. But the only thing that's not ready to go is my dev environment. Because again, like I said, I'm going to be using Strapi on the back end, which I've never used before, but I have done some research on and I have 
uh, watched a few videos so I know the general basics. So I've got to set up the dev environment for that. I've got to set up the repos. Uh, I've got to install the tooling. So Strapi has its own like CLI tool. I'm going to install that. Um, I'm also going to find like a basic boilerplate to use so that I have a good structure. Uh, so I'm not starting from completely scratch, especially on the strappy side. So I don't, I don't want to like, you know, I, I want to have a good structure right away. I don't want to kind of fumble my way into a structure. That's why I like to use boilerplates right from the beginning. Now a boilerplate could be as simple as just having like the, you know, the file headers in there or making sure that you have all the files that you need to run the project. It could be something really simple and it could be as more complex as like a actual starter template. Um, where it actually has the connection with the database already done and all that. And all I have to do is kind of change the configuration variables. So I haven't decided which way I'm going to go, but it could be one of the two, depending on speed, I'll probably go the starter template route and just edit that to fit my needs um, because it'll be faster. It'll be a little bit more structured like I like, I like rather than willy-nilly and stuff like that. Um, the other thing that I like to do initially and something that's important for like a GitHub op like a open source project is create a good readme layout. And I'm obviously not gonna fill out the readme completely, but what I'm gonna find like a layout that I like uh, and I'm gonna just copy it and then just fill in some fill in the blanks and at least start it. So that if I ever need to quickly update a readme, like, hey, this is how to install this or these are some issues that I'm finding, uh, I can quickly do that without having to know create the readme which will be a barrier for me to actually start it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's about it on the uh, on the idea, like the, the side project discussion. I don't know, Matt, if you have anything else to add or do you want to just move on to the weekly growth goal? Um, I think I'll have a bunch of ad. Like the thing is, is I'm kind of like waist deep in the old hat website. <laughs> so... Um, cause I do, Mike and I have already discussed, like we've discussed last week, uh, that we want to start doing stuff that like we're more proud of and stuff like that. And like stuff that we want to like add to our portfolios and stuff. And I just not quite there yet personally. And I feel as though, uh, since I, since I last did a side project, it's been like a fair bit of time. So I feel like my new procedures, project management skills, whatever, as I've basically become like a business admin at this point, um, I think that'll help me out a lot. And so I'll probably have like a lot to comment there. Um, but I think like largely, largely what you said is basically what I would be doing for the most part. Um, some of the stuff I might like change out like just as an overall statement is like, I might try to not care about expanding my skills so much as uh, just getting the thing done because I do find myself procrastinating on things that aren't mandatory, if that makes sense. Something like a customer's thing, I usually won't procrastinate. Something like something for myself, I will procrastinate. So oftentimes what I'll do is choose something choose something expedient so that it sort of applies to my laziness, I guess. Or I don't really know if it's laziness because I'm always running around doing stuff. But it's just, I don't know, procrastination of non-mandatory tasks, I guess. I think is just it's, what I think I it's motivation. It. It's more motivation than anything that causes procrastination. Yeah, it's that. And then it's also like today I was going to work on a bunch of stuff and then a bunch of like I was going to work on a bunch of hat stuff and then a bunch of stuff happened. Right. And then that like knocks me not knocks it off. And then it like kind of almost tells my brain like, hey, this stuff isn't really mandatory, you yeah. know, because um, we're recording this super late. This episode's probably going to release late as a result. Uh, just stuff like that. It's just like today was just absolutely crazy. The New Year's blues, whatever you want to call it. Um, but just it's just one of those. It's just one of those things like there's nothing. Um, 
it's the way I am. I don't know. Like I said, I had to put boxes in the way of my of me walking around the house in order for me to throw them out for whatever reason. Did you actually uh, throw them out? I did, yeah. Well, nice. all all but one. I had to repurpose one. But, I mean, they're out of the way. Like, they've been used. Perfect. They've been used. They're no longer in the way. They're no well longer done. garbage. Um, but, like, yeah, it's just it's just one of those. It's just one of those things where I'm just like, oh, I can do that later. I can do that later. And I'm not lazy with things that can't be done later. But I am lazy with things that can be done later. And it's just procrastination at its finest, whatever the thing is like that. Um, but I'm, I think I'm ready for the, for the weekly growth goal, actually, myself. I mean... Uh, I think we covered a lot there, and we thought this was just going to be a web news at first, so um, I think we did a pretty good job for being so late, to be honest. Yeah, like, I know the listener is getting it at God knows what time, uh, but we are recording stupidly late. Like, I would probably already have some of the files uploaded already, and we're still creating them, obviously, as I talk right now, so... Yeah, I'd probably be in bed at this point. Like, Matt's a little bit later than me, but, like, I'd I'd probably be asleep. Yeah. So, yeah. So fair enough. Like, it's just, we, this is one of these things that we like, you know, this is, this is the, the, the show is one of those things where I'm not willing to, uh, sacrifice it too easily. Like sometimes it's just like, we have to sacrifice it to sacrifice it, but, um, yeah, and I, that's yeah, just the way it is. Exactly. Yeah. And that, and that's good. It keeps us honest on, on this kind of stuff. And I think we, I think we got a good episode out of it. Uh, sometimes these kinds of like off the cuff episodes or episodes where we're under pressure and we've had like a bad day, uh, with a lot of stuff are good because they force us to innovate and do something different. And it's, uh, it's always good to kind of throw a wrench in the mix. You know what I mean? And not have everything planned out. You know, it's, it, it, this is weird and this is uh, on and off topic. So it's not about web development. It's about battle Royale games, but the, the, the logic I think is getting more sound as I hear it is I've, I always tell people like, we always lose the matches in which we find the best loot and where you become super equipped. Yep. You know, we're all equipped. We're all get, we're all decked out. We're ready for a fight. And we just get jumped and that's the end of it. I'm like, we always do our best when, when we're MacGyvering. We, you know, we have five bullets between us and like three grenades and we somehow make it. And it just seems to be, I don't know whether it's a pressure thing or a human thing or like a certain personality thing that like allows us and my friends when we're on Battle Royale, whatever... Uh, to get through it, but it's just one of those things where it's just one of those. It's just one of those things where it's like if you're under pressure and you you have little resource at your disposal, time or otherwise as a resource, it seem like things seem to be okay. I say that, and then there's those times where if because you didn't spend time on something, it becomes a disaster. But I think it's maybe a game of chance a little bit too. Well, it's, it shouldn't be a regular thing where you're just panicking all the time and doing something off the cuff. But every once in a while, I think it is important to kind of challenge yourself in a way that forces you out of your comfort zone. Because this is, this is definitely kind of an out of the comfort zone thing where we had to, you know, come up with a, a topic just to be fully transparent. We came up with a topic in the last like few hours and uh, wrote the show notes really quickly and, you know, try to get something together that gives value to to everyone quickly and present it and write it and now you're now you're gonna have to edit it matt all all in the same day so it it is it's definitely a challenge but i i think again it turned out pretty well you can let us know in the social medias um what you think of the episode if we should do more off the cuff stuff here and there it's not definitely not going to be a regular thing but uh every once in a while i don't think it's a bad idea no, yeah, today today work exploded and our province exploded. So Yes, that's another thing. Yeah, yeah with, so with like COVID, it, it does it does definitely affect you, no matter what. 
yeah, after hearing that news, I wasn't feeling too good. And then, then things exploded, which, you know, also doesn't make you feel too good. And, you know, you know, just. Yep. It's 2020 number one, one yeah. everybody. <laughs> so that's, that's yeah. the way it goes. Uh, but yeah, on to the weekly golf goal, I think, here. Uh, so last week, I had a weekly golf goal of reaching 20% in my Think Like a Rocket Scientist book on my Kindle. And I reached it almost. <laughs> oh, I got, I, yeah. I think I got to 18% or something like that. Uh, it's really interesting. It's a longer book than I thought it was. And I just didn't get that 20. But I'll try to get there tonight uh, before I get to bed. Pretty good book, though. I do recommend it. It kind of makes you think outside the box a little bit on in like business and how you approach different uh, different problems. It's not it's not your typical way of thinking, which is I think the point because a rocket scientist or an astronaut thinks a little bit differently than your typical person, uh, and that's why they are an astronaut or a rocket scientist. Uh, oh yeah, shaking and, my head, Mike. You can't see me right now because both our webcams yeah. are broken. But uh, I'm shaking my head. Yeah, shaking my head nonstop. My next goal is not about the rocket scientist book, but it will be about the weekly goals app that I was just talking about. I want to have a full infrastructure up and running, uh, so front end, back end, everything there by you know next week. I guess seven days from now. Um, I'm not expecting it to be completely done, but I do want to have something live on the web running for uh for it to go so you know i want all my technology to be ready and all my um i guess functionality to be ready but maybe some of my ux ui and stuff like that to still need working out all right well we let's hope you don't you don't hit 18 percent of that one there mr mike miss it by two percent miss it by that two. much yep i don't even know what that what that is from i just know that i've heard that like 10 billion times uh, do you know what that's from? No idea. Okay. Well, hopefully it's not something bad. <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. Uh, and I, I don't care either, uh, to be fair. Uh, but but I, for one, actually did complete my weekly growth goal. Uh, my weekly it. growth goal was to get a, a functional section of the site we, of the hat website up and running. Uh, not live, obviously, because it's not everything's all tied in together with the CMS. Uh, but the get it up and running, get it working, whatever. Uh, did it. Done. Hooray. So what I basically did was I was sitting there yesterday, and I mean late, like 3 or 4 in the morning. And I was like, well, I'm not going to reach my weekly growth goal. And it kept bugging me, and I was going to go to bed. And I said, nope, that's it. I'm doing this. I literally logged into Webflow at 4-ish a.m., stayed up to 7 in the morning, to complete this damn thing. Um, finished the section. What I ended up doing was I was going to build out another section. So I had the skeleton slash what I was showing off on the stream of the homepage. But I had I have completely redone sort of the nav bar or like I wanted to modernize it and that type of thing. And so I was like, well, you know, the nav bar is very, very important because it's going to be all on the other. It's going to be on all the other pages. But also, like, the the homepage needs to be sort of touched up and move stuff around and whatever. So I said, okay, you know what? I'm effectively procrastinating on this homepage slash this nav bar. I'm completing this. So I ripped the nav bar a new one, completely redid that, um, completely redid that so that it works differently on mobile than it does on desktop, than it does on whatever. I've completely did that up. I did a little bit of touch-ups uh, here and there, uh, excuse me, on the homepage, but most of the work was actually done on the nav bar. So now that homepage, that nav bar structure, all done. A couple things that I'm thinking of changing, although I'm not sure, but like the actual thing, like I said, the goal is done. I'm not going to touch it right now. I don't know whether we want a footer. I don't think so. We might need one. I don't know. On the fence, never made a footer. I'll do that later because that's at the end anyway. Also, I noticed something 
I've had trouble with this in the past. Never really did an investigation as to why, and now I know why. So, I mean, learning new things with these with, with these go- growth goals. The Webflow navbar system, you, you select when you want it to go from, you know, links listed out to a navicon where you click it and the menu opens. Now, on the Hat website now, I want the, the navbar on mobile to go to the bottom of the screen so it's easier to click. And I made it so that there's just like our logo, there's our social, and there's a button there to open the menu. So everything that you may want to click on, especially on a phone, because like you want to go to our Facebook, click it, it'll open in the app usually, right? Stuff like that. If you if you want to access that on the phone, it makes more sense to me at this point for it to be on the bottom. So I did that. And then I go into the Webflow thing and I say, you have three options, open from, and I'm paraphrasing, open from left, open from right, or open as a dropdown. So I said open as a dropdown and I moved it up because it was dropping down below because the navbar is below. So I moved it up above the thing, up above the navbar on the bottom, obviously, because it's like inverted. And it works in the designer, meaning the Webflow designer, and it works just fine. And I've had this problem before where everything, 90% of all the Webflow stuff in the designer in the preview window, basically, works perfect. I don't even really need to test it on other browsers normally when I do small changes, although you should, but I don't need to sometimes. I have confidence in it. Navbar is one thing I don't. I have one customer where their navbar in the Webflow editor is like off into the ske- into the clouds, but it's it's in the right place on on the in the real world, like in the real site. On this one, it was working in the designer, but it wasn't working in the real site. And what I had to what I found out was what Webflow was doing was Web, Webflow was wrapping my my nav menu div with their own div and applying logic to that, making it a dropdown, forcing it to be below, obviously out of sight of everything. I tried making it the whole height. I tried a whole bunch of other stuff. And what I ended up having to do was effectively a CSS hack to get it to work. And it does work. It's animated and everything like that. But I just, I don't know if I'm happy with that, but I also don't think it's going to hold back the launch of the site. So I think I'm just going to leave that for now. Um, I obviously don't want to be touching sort of core stuff if I can avoid it. And I think what I'm going to end up doing is just making a custom nav bar at the bottom eventually. But I think the site's going to launch with this thing. It's animated. It looks fine. Uh, you know, I'm at Webflow's disposal if they change the CSS there and I need to, you know, sort of fix the site at some point. But like I said, that'll be something for another day. Web uh, nav bar, nav menus, whatever, front page, home page, whatever you want to call it, done, complete. Now, next weekly growth goal, I want to get a workable show notes part of the site working. Now, again, not live, but I want to make the show notes live as soon as possible. But I just don't know how quickly I'm going to be able to do that because I've, obviously the nav bar is equipped for the, all the pages and yada, 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 yada. So that's what I want to do. I'm, I'm this, this damn website's been delayed for so long. <laughs> Uh, this growth goal thing is going to try to, or I'm going to try to try to force this, this, uh, these growth goals to pull me through it and finally just get it done so that we can start putting out some cool content for you guys. But that's it. That's my weekly growth goal completed. There's my new one. And let us know your weekly growth goals, uh, using hashtag weekly growth goal on Instagram, Twitter, whatever. And you can also just at us or send us a message or chat with us, or we'll usually put it in our story where we're like, Hey, what's your growth goal? And like, you can talk about it in there as well. We would love to hear about what you're doing. And that's my weekly growth goal. Now, unless you have anything to else to add, Mike, I think it's time for the old conclusion. Yeah, no, that was that was good. I'm glad you finished your weekly growth goal. I'm gonna try to do mine this week, and uh, good luck with your next one. I'm giving you the side eye, Mike. Giving you the squinty <laughs> eyes right now. Again, no webcam, so I have to I have to uh, just say what I'm doing. 
because uh, Mike can't see me. But uh, just to let everybody know, obviously at this point, I think, no before the show this week. We're recording at a stupidly late hour at this at this time right now. Um, no, no before the show and probably no web news unless we did come up with some really cool idea. Uh, just because, again, this week's been crazy, but we wanted to make sure we got the show out for you guys. Uh, you can keep in touch on on social media. Like I said, hashtag weekly growth goal or just hashtag HTML, all the things. Come chat with us, talk to us, whatever, or come check out our Discord. And uh, remember, we're on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash HTML, the things. If you want to support the show, come come and uh, buy one of those tiers. It really helps us out. Many thanks to our $3 tier patrons, Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript on YouTube.com slash RabbitWorks JavaScript, Garrett from Local Path Computing and Web Design on LocalPathComputing.com, Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital on Blue Black Digital. Digital.com, Chris from Selfmade Web Designer on SelfmadeWebDesigner.com, Tim from The Web Hacker on TheWebHacker.com, DL Ford from DLFord.io, and Bib Hashdash from Nineblock Media on NineBlockMedia.com. Feel free to leave a comment or, or a review on the platform that you're listening to this on, and this outro will sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.